everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 88. Today is Friday, February 9th. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orgeron, joined by meteorologist Katie Suniga. Hey, Katie. Good morning, gentlemen. And chief meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Good morning, Jeffy. How are you? You know what? I'm doing great considering we have husky puppies in Studio B right now because the Oregon Humane Society is in the building. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah. Are they well-behaved? No, <laughs> no, no, there was one, there's three of them. And there was one that was just kind of sitting along the side, observing the other two were scrapping away. Um, but I imagine actually Katie, you're off today. So unfortunately you won't get to meet them, but I think Mark, you'll probably get to interact with them later on. What is going on? What, what's it's the reason? It's for the Super Bowl, the puppy bowl. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And huh. obviously to help out the Oregon Humane Society, get some more dogs and cats adopted. So I will take my jacket because I remember last time I was complaining, we had puppies in once and it was for a good cause, but um, I had to get my suit clean just because yeah. there was a lot of puppy smell. <laughs> well, it's, uh, they're huskies, yeah. so they'll probably shed a little bit. So, oh gosh. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. bring a jacket. Yep. Um, all right. So <laughs> if you are listening to the podcast, um, we encourage you to try out watching the podcast on some of our various platforms. It airs live at 2 PM on Fridays on Fox 12. Now you can see that on Facebook live. You can see that on our live streaming um, service, or you can actually see it on YouTube, our website, et cetera. But if you listen, we're going to try our best to describe the graphics that we're showing. Um, but we encourage you to watch because then you get to see all the cool stuff that uh, we mm-hmm. uploaded that Mark is showing right now. So uh, the plan for today is um, we're going to be talking about some new national lightning data to kick off the podcast, um, kind of see where uh, more of the thunderstorms develop in the United States and where they don't. Um, hint, hint. We don't see a lot of here. Um, Surprise. You're right. <laughs> we're going to talk about this pesky east wind. If you feel like it's been around a lot more this winter, I think you're on to something. So we'll go over some of the numbers. Um, big question as we enter the middle part of February, is it safe to remove snow tires? Ooh, uh, spoiler alert, question. the boss removed his this week, um, but we're going to hear his reasoning behind that. Uh, rainbow weather. We're kind of entering that time of year, late Mid to late winter, early spring, the sun angle is still low. Showers and sun breaks. Katie's going to break down okay. why we see rainbows out here, especially west of the Cascades. And um, let's talk about the extended forecast as well, so you can get an idea of what we're what we're thinking is going to happen later this month and perhaps into early March. So that is all going to be packed into this <laughs> podcast. I was and... going to say that's that's a teaser. That, let me tell you, folks, that extended forecast because Jeff sends me the graphics. And, and I put some together last night. And when I looked at his, I'm like, I, I was looking at your graphics today. I won't, I won't give away too much, but I'm like, oh yeah, we're going real extended today. <laughs> I mean, it, we're going to be we, good. We can't really do it a lot on TV. Um, I think we really need to hone in on the next five to seven days on TV, but I mean, it's a podcast. We kind of set the rules. So we might we can well... do whatever we want. We can swear on this podcast, right? Cause <gasps> then we just bleep it out. That's true. We could, except there's not a lot of post post editing going on so you'll have to handle that if you curse mark okay maybe your filthy mouth okay. by your tongue <laughs> all right um mark i'm gonna let you take it away because you were excited about these graphics i was yeah. I, and i i think this came in on an email but i don't remember where i got this so i figured i better give credit um 
It's, you know, kind of a year end. You know what? I know what it was. I think it came from Vaisala, maybe the uh, Lightning. That would make sense. Different. No, yeah. this is a different Lightning network. Oh. I don't know. It, you know, this may have come from, you know, a lot of you have Davis weather stations. Maybe it came in there in a little newsletter. Actually, that is where it came from, the uh, the Davis weather instrument uh, company. And I get a little newsletter oh. every few months. And it had the wrap-up of the 2023 Lightning. And it had several different graphics, which are kind of interesting. And this is a weather podcast, so let's talk about it. This just shows flash density per county. All right, so the amount of flashes per county last year. And I think it's what we all expect, right? Mm-hmm. Katie, yeah. have you ever been to Orlando and stood in line at Disney World or Universal Studios So it's Studios funny that you summer? say that because I was just thinking for one of my husband and I's anniversaries, we went to Disney World mm-hmm. and our anniversary is in late June and we were flying in while there was a storm and I mm. saw cloud to cloud right Great. outside my window. It was one of the freakiest things. Like I love lightning. It is absolutely one of my favorite types of weather, but mm. not when it's like right outside your airplane window. Yeah. That's like, a little disconcerting. That I was very disconcerting, but it was super fun because we flew in in one of their right. amazing, amazing storms. And we were in Disneyland, Disney world yeah. while it was going on the next day again. So almost every afternoon, right down yes. there in Florida. Yep. That's because you and get the- it's so funny because you you're there and then it starts rolling in and these carts come out. They are at the ready with they are. The ponchos that they sell you for like 20 bucks that are, you know, little plastic bags that Smart. you just kind of put over. And then as soon as it clears up, the carts roll away and it's back to business as usual. It's very efficient there because they it happens almost every afternoon. You see along the Gulf Coast yep. in Florida, you got the warm, humid air. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and so, oh, we should give courtesy the AEM Light Earth Lightning Network. So these are kind of the places we expect. But then you go to the second graphic. You're like, wait a minute. What's going on here? So it's lightning hours by county. So notice then it's like, wait a minute, there's more lightning in the West and Southeast Oregon than parts of the Southeast USA. So I had to say, I read the description, which I did not include here. So it's lightning hours by county. Two things going on. One is the counties are far larger in the West. Notice how much larger they are. Mm, mm, The other is, yeah, and it's hours. So you could have lots of minor lightning events. For example, if there's one strike in uh, that area of Nevada, kind of the, um, oh, like the UFO area of Nevada, northwest of Vegas there, you see uh, one county that's pretty bright. You know what I mean? Area 51. (laughs) You know what I mean? But in that area, I mean, that's as high as central Florida. That's because you get one strike in the summertime. That's an hour. Okay. So um, same thing in southeast Oregon. So that's just interesting that if you do it that way, there's a little more. And then this one just shows, this third graphic shows um, the anomaly compared to average, you know, like a 10-year average, I suppose. I think I think detailed lightning counts have been around, I don't know, 30 years or so. And you see much of Oregon didn't have a little above normal. I mean, not a, not a huge change, but some areas have more, some areas have less. So that is your lightning talk for February. Wait, can we, can we um, go over this up? one more time? Th- yeah. This particular graphic, annual thunder hour anomalies so what are we comparing this to the historical data yes compared to average oh this is i'm sorry this is 2023 each graphic was for 2023 only. oh got it okay Okay. see right back there 2023 gotcha i did this at like 11 25 p.m trying to get it done because there was no way i was going to get up early and do this this morning so this we record this early this is interesting Um, this is telling us that we had more lightning in the interior northwest than normal right last year and Northern California, um, which would as- you would assume 
probably led to more wildfires, but it wasn't a terrible wildfire season. No. Partially because of the really wet, you know, year last year, or like wet winter, springtime. So um, that's interesting. Okay. And the coastal storms, a lot of people don't know this. The Oregon coast and Washington coast, their lightning season is in winter, fall and winter. Because, uh, you know, we get the unstable air that comes in, especially right. you really notice it like October, November, maybe into December. That's our tornado season. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I'm still trying season. to do Ooh. that story. Yeah. Which story, Katie? The one that about what tornado season is to us. And like, remember hmm. we talked about that when we had that last one. And I just, it's been a rough one to get anybody to talk to me. <laughs> about tornadoes? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. The pretty weak sauce, as Mark would say. You know, we don't have a lot of tornado experts here, do we? Uh-uh, no. And, and, but, it, but it's not like I can talk to somebody that's in an actual tornado zone because they, they may or may not understand what leads to them where we are than compared to where they are. So I'm working on it, though. I haven't given up hope yet. Keep working Still it, Katie. Good. Keep yeah. working it. All right. I'm a determined person, so. Okay, so we talked about this a little while ago. The east wind, that pesky east wind that we all don't really love. Um, especially those folks that live near the mouth of the gorge. Uh, Mark, you've been kind of hinting at this graphic that you've been cooking up here. Uh, didn't it's been, we tease it last week? Yeah, didn't yeah. I say make sure I do it this week? Was that I right? Think so, yeah. Maybe mm -hmm. been off camera though. But anywho, um, it, it has been around more frequently um, with more. So the setup, typically you have to have high pressure setting up east okay. of the Cascades and mm -hmm. low pressure west of the Cascades to draw that wind offshore or through the gorge or over the Cascades, et cetera. So we've had a lot of those setups. And um, this is kind of an interesting graphic. It looks like you're bringing us back to 2006, 2007. Correct? Yeah, so this goes okay. back, what, 14 years, 15 years? I don't know. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, let's not count. Um, and it just shows what you're seeing is, in case you're listening, <clears throat> the days with, I call it east wind day, a, a day with easterly gusts 25 plus out in the east metro area, Tropdale Airport. That's where we have official records. So um, November through February is the main east wind season. Yes, we get it outside of those seasons, especially March. We'll get leftover east wind in March. But, you know, by the end of February, it's mostly done, the hardcore stuff. And this just shows the number of easterly wind days and the peak in the last, since 2000. Six seven that winter the peak was in oh nine ten we had seventy seven days that season with gusts over twenty five at Troutdale uh, the other two second highest back in fourteen fifteen and sixteen seventeen and fifteen sixteen and um, this year we're already up to sixty one days and we still have how many days I'm looking at my calendar we got another uh, twenty days left in the yeah. month about about mm -hmm. twenty days so, left this month my question mm -hmm. is do you um you know if any of these correlate with El Nino, La Nina winters? They sure do. The peak? Oh, yeah, 9, 10. That yeah, was strong... because I'm thinking about just what I've learned. This is my first full winter here. Right. You know, I started midwinter last year, and it just seems like we had more of that, what Jeff just said, you know, low to the west, high to the east setup this year than I remember seeing last year. Now, I could have just been getting settling in and I, I wasn't quite paying attention, but it just feels like we've had that so many times. No, you're right. I mean, when you look at the maps, how many, even looking in the future here the next week, how many times do you see the isobars oriented north and south? Mm -hmm. um, and that that, t that gives the easterly wind. And we should point out, it, it is a, I mentioned, kind of hinted, it's a seasonal wind. I mean, it's gone in the warm season most of the time, unless we have a heat wave. And it's caused by, you know, like Jeff said, high pressure to the east, but that high pressure in general, this is a general thing, it's caused by that continent is colder than the oceans in the winter. 
Um, and we have areas of low pressure that approach the coast. So as the right. continent warms in March, it starts getting uh, temperatures, you know, in the winter, it's colder east of the Cascades generally than here west of the Cascades. But once we hit March, the sun is getting pretty strong. And that's the month where the temperatures equalize. We're about, it's just about as warm east of the Cascades. And by April, it's getting warmer east of the Cascades. And that's when westerlies begin in the gorge. So that's when our wind mostly disappears. And really the quick, the just for those folks that don't have, you know, this extreme science background, the atmosphere is like a layered cake. And we mm -hmm. are talking about at the lowest levels of the atmosphere, if there is high pressure east of the Cascades and lower pressure west of the Cascades, right. the air gets basically attracted or drawn to that area of low pressure. So it comes through the gorge, mm -hmm. but it flips during the summertime. It tends to warm up a lot more during the afternoons east of the Cascades that air rises because it's more buoyant, like a hot air balloon, and it creates surface low pressure. And it kind of gets drawn, the air gets drawn into the gorge, and so it's a little bit more breezy out toward the Dalles, typically during the summertime. If you think about, like, those higher fire danger days, uh, east end of the gorge into the Columbia River Basin, often because we have that diurnal wind event every day setting up during the afternoons. In fact, it's interesting out at, <clears throat> excuse me, um, out at that end of the gorge, like Mosier, it's really noticeable. The little fir trees by the freeway, they all are just totally flagged to the east because all during their growing season, the wind is blowing from the west. Yet you come out here to Crown Point in the Corbett area and trees are all flagged pointing towards Portland, the opposite direction. So in the middle and Cascade Locks, they all point straight up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, in the middle, <laughs> right. it's kind of, it's kind of both ways. So, um, they get a little bit in the middle, but, um, yeah. Oh, so so we're at 61 days. The record is 77. I mean, I'm sorry, the record since I've been keeping track in the 2006-7. So we're about 16 days off the record. It seems unlikely we'll hit it considering looking at the maps. But yeah. we are just November through January. Um, it was the highest since uh, of all the record keeping days. So just so during that period, that first part of winter, winter, November, December and January, it was the highest we'd seen in at least 15 years. So. Uh, oh, and here we go. Uh, peak wind yeah. gusts. This is so. This yeah, was during the, the recent event in January, right? And you know we're reaching back three weeks. Oh no, now it's now it's four weeks since the big Saturday, the thirteenth yeah. storm. Is that the right date? It's almost a month. It is the thirteenth. Yeah, it is a month coming up tomorrow. So I just we, we've seen some of these numbers, but over the last week it was so helpful. The viewers, I went on Facebook. Uh, a Facebook, two Facebook groups, and then on my main Facebook page, Mark Nelson. Um, the professional page. And I said, Hey, we're missing peak wind gusts. We had a lot of sensors go down during that big easterly windstorm. And then a lot of the damage was in areas that are very treed. Think the West Hills mountain park. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. Mountain park in Lake Oswego, uh, Mount Sylvania area where we had a lot of, you know, big fir trees crashing down, but we don't have many good sensors. Like I think we all know, look at that Lake Oswego gust. That's the only one I have from Lake Oswego that I can find 30 miles per hour we know it gusted way above 30 in Lake Oswego. Yeah. yeah. But it was Absolutely. great because I had one viewer reach out the, the Bonnie slope. He said, Hey, I've got a well-exposed Davis uh, weather pro. And it went, it got up to 55 and then the power went out. Mm. Healy Heights. That's up basically council crest area. I had one that was 55 up there and one that was 58. Somebody else in Cedar mill. Oh, maybe that was him. 50, 51 at Cedar mill. Um, and then Sunset Transit Center, that place is really exposed. Highway 217 and 26 right by uh, Providence St. Vincent. Yeah. 48, but then the power went out pretty early, like 10 a.m. that morning. Yeah. 
and so that was really great that viewers really stepped up and, and got us those peak gusts. So um, really helpful stuff. Yeah, we appreciate that. We appreciate your photos. Any, and, and by the way, um, if you ever want to submit something interesting weather-wise, if it's a video or a, or a photo, the best way to do mm -hmm. it is kptv.com slash weather or through our weather app. That way we can actually yeah. use it on the podcast or on TV or social media. So I think we're able to the best one. Yeah, I agree. I, I was going to say, I think we're able to say there were probably gusts 50 to 60 that down those trees in the West Hills and to have an East wind that strong was, was unusual in those areas. And that's probably what caused the damage there. All so right. the other thing, Mark, I was hoping uh, you would explain, cause we talked about this, um, you know, we were talking about that East wind that day because I typically didn't think of the Lake Oswego area as having the strong mm -hmm. Easterly winds. And you explained to me, you know, kind of what happened, how it came down and stuff like that. Just because I've had a lot of people ask me, they're like, we usually don't get that strong wind in Lake Oswego. So I was kind of hoping you'd share that with everybody uh, again too. Oh, cause the wind as it comes out of the gorge, in this case, especially when there's areas of low pressure to the Southwest, it really does angle down to, instead of coming straight out West, uh, East to West, it, it does angle a little West Southwest. Oh wait, you can see my, oh, you can see my cursor, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so instead of, you'd think it would follow the river, right? No, if there's mm -hmm. low pressure way out here off the Pacific, it comes out and continues out to the West Southwest. So the, so it's, it's heading through Southeast Portland, Happy Valley, Gresham, and there's almost nothing more than just a mile or two away from the Columbia River to the north in Clark County. Often there's nothing. Yeah. Totally calm up Which there. Which makes for really difficult forecasting on those like oh, yeah. east wind mornings where if we're in that wind sheltered spot just to the north, it's like 10 degrees cooler. Right. Right. So right. nightmare. At least we know, and it does most of the time, it behaves that way. Every once in a while, you'll get an east wind that'll come more from the east, southeast this way. But most of the time, at least if we're watching as good meteorologists, we, we notice those things and they happen over and over and over again. And so that's kind of like a forecast memory around here. Well, and I seem to remember we, you and I were very specifically watching where that low was going to come in. And it mm -hmm. seemed like it was a little farther south, which that's what would have that probably helped that, that wind down more rather than just straight off to the east. Right. All right, this um, this stirred up some well, a lot of discussion on social media. Mark posted a photo of his vehicle. This is what we're showing you right now. If you're just listening to the podcast, and he has removed his snow tires. And I did it. Some people think that you just cursed us the rest of the winter. Um, I jinxed it. Did yeah, I jinx it. Cursed yeah, it. Yeah, you may have. But I think the the folks that are watching those long range outlooks are like, eh. He's probably onto something. Here's the deal. I would not change. I would not swap your tires out. If you're paying like most of us do, and usually I do, but my son and I just bought the, the jack. We already had the jack and we bought the little the impact wrench or impact, whatever it's called. Um, so we've just done this these last two times. And so I only did that because it's free. I could do it in 30 minutes. And if something shows up, a real storm somehow shows up more than two weeks out. Um, as we'll talk about, I'm sure we're safe until that time. But if something shows up, you know what? I can put them back on. If I were paying for it, do not take your snow tires off yet unless you really want to gamble. I mean, it's possible we're done with that. stuff. I mean, there's a decent chance we're done with that stuff, but I wouldn't risk it. So I don't I don't want to encourage people to spend 100, 120 bucks just because I did. And and just to kind of answer, or respond to some of the the comments that you've had, Mark, and I know you're thinking the same thing. March and April, yes, we can get snow. We have had snow. April was our latest snow on record that happened in 2022. Um, but it gets much more difficult for it to stick on area roads, especially by late morning and afternoon with that higher sun angle. Of course, we can get snow on the trees and we sure. can get snow on the grass. And we can get snow on the roads. It just 
the likelihood of it sticking all day long and shutting down the metro area uh, becomes lower as the you know the days go on, the weeks go on into March and April. Basically, there's nothing in our historical record that shows an all-day snowfall that would shut down the city and stay near below freezing after about the first two days of March. Right. Yeah. All right. So I uh, just wanted to give you a snapshot of the next couple of days heading into the weekend. Saturday looks like it's going to be a great day, partly to maybe mostly sunny in some spots. We're confident we're going to have a lot of sunshine east of the Cascades, kind of a mixed bag of sun and clouds west of the Cascades. And uh, it's going to be dry. I think the sunnier spots, if you guys would agree, probably hit the mid 50s <clears> and the uh, west of the Cascades, that is. And the cloudier spots, probably low 50s. Um, it's going to be pretty mild out there. Yeah. Once we hit mid February, even if our 850 millibar temps are only zero or minus two, we easily hit 50. The sun, you can, the sun starts getting stronger. That's, that was a snapshot of two o'clock Saturday. This is a snapshot of two o'clock Sunday. This is just one computer model, our in-house IBM graph model. And this is showing the potential for some showers and sun breaks. A weak weather system is going to be de developing to our north. And it's, it's going to drag probably a weak front across our region. That's why we all have just a few showers out there from time to time. And I think it'll probably end up being a, a drier day than a wetter day. But I bring this up because we're kind of in that season now with the lower sun angle, the showers and sun breaks. We've been getting photos from all of you at home of the rainbows that you've been spotting out there. So I thought it was a good time to maybe break down why we see rainbows, how they form. Katie, yes. I, I know you love the rainbows as well. So I wanted do. to give you <laughs> yeah. an opportunity to break this down for all of our loyal viewers. And what's really fun is I just did a, a pre-K, a preschool visit the other day, and this was one of the questions that they sent me ahead of time. They came up with their whole little list of questions they wanted me to go over, and we were there like, how do rainbows, why do we see them? So I thought it was fun that, that I got an opportunity to share this again here. So um, what we have here is a graphic showing the sun with a sunbeam and a very large drop of water. Very big. <laughs> with, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's awesome. The raindrops, as, as the sunlight hits it, it breaks the sunlight into separate colors, the refraction that happens. And so the sunlight hits the drop and then it refracts and breaks it up. And then does it off that back of the drop so it reflects those colors back to our eyes at a 41 degree angle and around the sunbeam and then it's headed toward you and what we're seeing is basically the reverse of those colors so the red is at the top orange yellow green blue indigo violet and that's on the way that we see it is basically just the sunlight hitting the water and then bouncing it back that's what the, was the short version did you guys call it roy g biv growing up to remember uh, when I grew up, there was no indigo. It was red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. Oh. Oh, really? Yes. Well, to me, it's the same, so. Yeah. Little but color this one has challenged. indigo violet. As, as I was a kid, oh. it was just purple. There weren't two colors, and it wasn't indigo. I learned I it like from it my well. wife. Like What's when that? we were dating or early marriage. I mean, I'd already been in my TV career a few years, and she said, oh, it's Roy G. Bibb. And I said, what? <laughs> She's Roy G. Bibb. And I said, who is that? <laughs> like, what just kind of small guy. town? What kind of small town Oregon did you grow up in? Oh, wait, so did I. And she said, oh, no, we learned it, Roy G. Bibb. And, the, and I've always – and I almost always give my wife credit, as I should, on this mm -hmm. uh, on this graphic. Yeah. Um, I, I remember talking about rainbow weather before on air, and I mentioned a comment. I think a lot of people appreciate it. If you're ever wanting to see a rainbow and we have the showers and sun breaks type of pattern, look to the west in the morning. Look to the east in the afternoon. 
because mm-hmm. it's opposite of which way the sun is. Like, if the mm-hmm. sun is yeah. rising out of the east, you're going to see the rainbow toward the west. Because that's where the beam person. goes in, reflects exactly. it back toward us. It's the anti-solar mm-hmm. point. So if you're if the solar, if the sunshine is going through your head, you know, your eyes, you, it has to go through your head. It doesn't go really through your head. But if it has to go through your head and the direction you're looking is where it's going, where the rainbow has to be. So you have to be, your back of your head needs to be pointed at the sun. Yeah. And you have to be at the right angle. You can't just, you know, it, it has can't to be, be too low or too high. Of course, mm-hmm. then there's no rainbow. Yep. I hope the sun is not going through your head. But anyway, we'll move on. It's uh, early. All right. So this was a view of Timberline this morning at eight o'clock. Oh, uh, good. Right before I came in here, Timberline was reporting about six inches of new snow over the past yes. 24 hours, about five inches at Skeeble. And Meadows is reporting only a couple of inches. This was definitely a more favorable like a western facing mountain slope type of event um, where we saw more snow piling up um, western facing slopes as opposed to eastern facing slopes. So, um, and we probably have another one to three inches left out of the system, uh, depending on when you listen. When you listen, you might not, well, we might be completely done with this precipitation. So, uh, I bring this up because it's probably going to be a really good time to go maybe night skiing tonight yes. as the yeah, precipitation wraps right. up. And, um, the weekend, Saturday especially, is going to be really nice in the Cascades. And Sunday will probably feature a few snow showers here and there. Um, so I wanted to get right into the snowpack, and we'll start up in the state of Washington. Wait, Boy, Jeff. Go ahead. Where did you get this graphic? Because I can't find the Oregon version of this anymore. I can't either. I was looking everywhere for it. Where did you find this one? I just – I found it um, – The same I, link? What? No. Actually – I mean – Yeah, it was through the um, – the USDA, yeah, I just Googled Washington mountain snowpack and snow water <laughs> okay. equivalent. This brought me to it. So um, oh, strange. But yeah, you, you have to navigate to that interactive map for the Oregon this mountain one. snowpack. Exactly. Right. So yeah. I just took a screenshot of that. But anywho, what we're seeing is a very poor snowpack, a low snowpack up in the, um, the Washington mountains. Um, anywhere from looks like the lower Columbia – and the lower snake, upper Yakima are mm-hmm. all in the 70-ish range for 70% of the normal snowpack for this time of year, February 9th. But everywhere else is seeing even lower snowpack. Um, so this is not a great sign for Washington, but kind of reflects how what we were more or less expecting for an El Nino year. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? How it's, it's worse farther north, which is, which is typical for an El Nino year, strong El Nino. And what we're showing here is the Oregon mountain snowpack, mm-hmm. which hasn't changed, if I if I recall, a whole lot since our last podcast last week. Uh, much of the state of Oregon, including the Hood, Hood Sandy, Lower Deschutes region, Willamette region, 75 to 85% of the normal snowpack this time of year. We do have some areas that are in the 90 to 98% of snowpack. Southeast corner of the state, southeast quadrant, rather, is seeing above normal snowpack. But... Um, to maintain this or to get to a point where we want to be, we would probably need a healthy dose of snow consistently for the next week or two uh, to maintain or uh, pop those numbers up. And, well, we're not necessarily seeing that. Mark, go ahead. I, I see you have some thoughts. Well, I was just going to ask you real quick. Um, I had that quizzical look on my face. You did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you grab this graphic today or did I do this one? I grabbed it today. This morning. Oh, so it is fresh because I thought maybe I messed up and it's an old graphic. But this is correct. All right. Good to know. Um, and this was from special request 
a special request by Mark. He wanted an interactive 500 millibar heights outlook for. Jeff, we always do 500 millibar <laughs> heights on this thing in the winter. Yeah, we do. Come on, um, it's a weather podcast. We do it in the summer too, I think. I just didn't think we'd go out to 400, 500 hours in the future. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, what I did was I took the uh, the Euro extended and I did the rest of February. So we could just have a. Oh, that's General, what you did. Yeah. So this is like the last 20 days of February, the so, next 20 days. Yeah. So we should point out, here's the deal for the weather. The, I mean, I was going to say for the weather geeks out there, but who else would be? I mean, regular people do listen to this, but so the European model, it runs four times a day, uh, two of those times each day, the off hours, it runs to um, 144 hours. Oh boy. Now I've already messed it up before I even finished the sentence. It basically has two shorter runs each day. And then once each day, it runs out to um, 10 days. But then the ensemble, including a control run, which will soon become also the high-res run, um, runs out to 15 days. It's either 15 or 16 days. So twice a day, we do see out to 15 days on the Euro, more or less, along with its ensembles. But then there's an overnight run of the Euro that goes out 46 days every day. It used to, it used to come out twice a week. So we can see the Euro puts out a long-range 46-day forecast including an ensemble system of 100 members i think and this is the ensemble average of those 100 members if i'm correct that goes out jeff you only took it to the end of february to be reasonable but uh, it does right. actually go out 46 days so it goes out uh into march to the end of well march, into march yeah. yeah but so, accuracy goes way a cliff mass a professor at the uw has done studies and he said you know once you get beyond about two and a half three weeks yeah so yeah. before we dive into what we're seeing here the orange shades tell us that we're going to have higher geopotential heights, which basically means the air mass is going to be thicker, likely warmer, drier. That tends to be the case when we see higher geopotential heights. Um, the cooler shades, the blue shades, indicate more troughing um, and the potential for you know more inclement weather. And uh, typically, if we see a lot of ridging as opposed to troughing, we tend to assume that we're going to be seeing drier stretches, maybe more mild stretches. Um, so what are you, what are your guys' thoughts here? Like, what are you, what are the things that are standing out to you when you watch the loop? It actually Katie? gets cooler toward the later part of February. You're right. I see that too, Katie, right near the end, maybe yeah. the last few days of the month. Like we have ridging, more... ridging through Valentine's day. And then once we get to like the 19th, 20th, it goes cooler. All or the way to the end of the... I wouldn't, that's not a wrong interpretation. Oh, this because this is like looking at art kind of um it, i see that too although i think at first the lower heights that you see not there okay here we go i wish we right. could stop this but it's one file right there right when you get to around the 18th 20th you do see that jet i think the jet stream is stronger to our south right there yeah, that, yeah. But then at the end there's definitely what's going on right there i'm not it's it looks like high pressure in the only. pacific instead of here so we'll see yeah. but definitely we're still in this el nino type pattern at least through the right about there through there yeah oh that's the 25th so yeah, we're that, in this yeah. kind of splitty pattern or ridging just to our north for quite a while. Well, didn't we talk about that the systems. other day? We were saying, yeah. you know, once we get into March, especially a little, you know, as we get a little later, the, the, like we're in a strong El Nino right now, but it backs mm -hmm. off a bit and it starts kind of weakening. And that's when we sometimes could see some snow or something come in because we're getting sort of a weaker El Nino pattern. Yeah. The pattern sometimes weakens in March. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 
this this gives us a better interpretation of what we can expect long range, <laughs> especially for those that don't look at 500 millibar maps. <laughs> so this is a, an extended outlook, uh, the Euro Ensemble temperature outlook for Portland, showing obviously a lot of low to mid 50 afternoons, overnight lows for the most part are staying above freezing. Um, so this immediately when I glance at this, I think our chances for lowland snow or ice are slim to none at this point. Right. Um, yeah. And jumping ahead. Boring. Really yeah. yeah, boring. Um, and Ash. I'm going to. This is the GFS ensemble. They Similar look the same. <laughs> upper 40s, low 50s, lots of overnights in the mid to upper 30s. So a lot of similarities here. Um, I want you to focus on the bottom part of the screen. That's, nice. Look that's, at that highlighted, Jeff. Going the extra mile. Thank you. So Team what that's, player. that's showing the extended outlook for 850 millibar temperatures. So that's at about 5,000 feet. You measure the temperature in celsius and it spits out what it's going to be and this that if if the so if we follow one of basically the blue line the control line okay if it's below the yellow that tells me that we're probably going to have snow if snow is falling it'll be sticking near or below the passes if mm -hmm. we see that line go above the yellow line then we're probably going to be looking at a higher snow event if snow is falling would you guys just quickly I agree. assume yep. that so so what the what I'm seeing is kind of a like a teetering back and forth type of deal. There isn't a significant warm up or a long stretch of time coming. There isn't a significant cool down coming. I mean, I think if we're at Ski Bowl, we're at times for the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to have wet snow events, maybe some rain, maybe some decent snow at times. But if we're at one of the higher resorts, Timberline, for instance, we're probably going to be in a more favorable situation little higher than we'd like to see this time of the year. Boy, that says El Nino too. Just a warmish, not incredibly warm, but warmish setup. Um, this one really stood out to me. Um, so that was, oh, we should point out that. So that graphic went out. That was the normal Euro comes out twice a day that goes out 15 days. Yeah, that goes 23rd. out to I think the 23rd. Yeah. And then here's the long one. This is the, the extended rainfall or precipitation outlook by the Euro model. And I highlighted the end of February, start of March. And if you follow that blue line there, that's the control line, roughly what the extended outlook is telling us we'll get as far as precipitation goes. It's keeping us below two inches for the rest of the month. And let's point out that grid point is in the Cascade foothills. It'd be like where I live, uh, east and of Troutdale. A better spot than Portland is what Mark yeah. is saying. So um, that's not a lot of rain for the rest of the month, supposedly. Well, and that follows too when we were looking at the the map. Yeah, it got gets a little wetter, you know, because we we looked at the cooler temperatures and things like that as we went and it got into March. So maybe March will be a little more wet. This we'll is see. kind of interesting, though. The GFS Ensemble precip outlook is in awe. They're at odds, essentially. The GFS. Oh, wait a minute. GFS, we're going to strike this map. We're moving on. You're right. <laughs> I think it's just <laughs> worth mentioning that the GFS is at least giving us, you know, by the end of the month, uh, another four inches, three to four inches, perhaps. So maybe wow. we won't end the month on a totally dry note or we'll end with pretty decent rainfall. Again, um, what was it? I think... How much? I think the GFS extended resolution is really low too, like okay. much lower than the Euro. We, we're gonna have to look that up. That'll be my job for next week. What's the resolution of these extended runs? Because that may be why it shows much wetter. It thinks possibly think more or less we're in the foothills. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on here. That's all we have. 
What? No term of the week? What? I think we've gone long enough, Jeff. Yeah, I know we have. We've I covered have. everything. We have. Look, I think I think the bottom <laughs> line is it can't end yet. <laughs> Just having so no, much fun. It has to end. It has to end. <laughs> the party's over. Uh-huh. Um, no, I wouldn't. Basically, the reason Mark took those snow tires off is because in the long range, we just don't see anything like it, you know dangerous coming our way. Uh, no. And, that includes windstorms. I just don't see any significant wind coming either, Mark. No big lows. I mean, if we're in split flow or ridging to our north, that is just not a pattern to get us deep lows coming up against the coastline. It's just really a meh. I mean, it's like a, such a boring weather pattern. And that is typical. I will tell you, most, and we covered this last week, most El Nino winters just kind of fade away in February. It fades between February and early March, mid-March. It just fades from like, eh, it's kind of warmish winter weather to uh, kind of coolish, wettish March weather. I mean, yeah. usually there's no defining we just kind of gradually move into early spring with no fanfare. Katie, Katie kind of hinted at this a little while ago. It mm-hmm. sounds like El Nino, and it's, it's not just sounding like it. Uh, there is data to back this up. El Nino seems to be weakening. And I, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, Noah issued a La Nina advisory. Am I, maybe it's not an advisory. Maybe it's a step below that. I don't but think they did. They're giving us a yeah. greater than 50% chance though of a La yes. Nina forming. So I uh-huh. think in one of the upcoming podcast we're probably going to be at least mentioning that and it'll probably become more of a discussion yeah i think we need an oni uh oceanic nino index um section to our podcast we haven't really talked el nino in specifically since maybe october and november so we should probably give an update coming up because yeah yeah, that does appear to be the setup we're at least going at least el nino is going away we know that although it's still at it's still quite strong in the pacific i mean it's still influencing our weather pretty strongly yeah if you didn't know this mark once a week looks at oni uh, in de- indices with his Who doesn't? espresso. It's like his, it's like his routine. No, I'm kidding. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us for episode 88 of the Fox 12 weather podcast. We're going to be back next week, probably on Thursday uh, with updates about what is turning out to be a fairly mild winter. So have a great weekend. Enjoy that Super Bowl and that dry Saturday as well. We'll talk to you soon. The delay. So stop. You're waiting and hesitating and tell us, please tell us.